This is Pat Boyle. Thanks for listening to the Hockey Show Podcast brought to you by Miller Lite, the presenting sponsor of the 2020 ESPN 1000 Virtual Fantasy Football Championship. Find out how to be a part of it at ESPNFFC.com. You're listening Listening. to the Hockey Show. Show. Blackhawks fans, you have a new home to talk hockey. Call us or tweet your comments to at ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Good morning, everybody. It's... The Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. I am Pat Boyle, joined by Brian Hanley from the First Midwest Bank Studios. We are getting ready for Game 3 of this first round Stanley Cup playoff matchup between the Blackhawks and the Vegas Golden Knights. Good morning, Brian. How are you doing? PB, how's everything? Uh, you know, I felt a lot better a week ago at this time when, when I was bask, basking in the glow of the uh, the qualifying round series victory over the Oilers. Not not so well, much being down yeah. 0-2. I, I was still conflicted after game one, but uh, feeling a little irpy after game two. Uh, entertaining game, no doubt about it. And uh, great to see him claw back. But the idea of getting a lead and actually playing from a lead would would certainly help against a team like the Vegas Knights. No question about it. Uh, They dug themselves a a two-goal hole in Game 2. And again, another soft goal allowed by Corey Crawford. He let two that he usually stops in Game 1. So that 4-1 game would have been a lot tighter if if he would have played up to the the Crawford we've seen in years past. I, I want to see the character of this team. Uh, mm-hmm. Over the next two games, are, are we going to see the fight that they had, say, back in 2011, when they rallied from a uh, three-zip series deficit against Vancouver and forced a game seven and ended up losing in overtime, uh, or 2014 when they lost the first two games to St. Louis and then won four straight to take the opening round? I'm not saying this team that's in Edmonton in that bubble is as good as those teams, and I'm not saying they're even as good as Vegas, but like you said, they were competitive in game two and they had their chances in game two. They weren't the better team, but they did. I mean, they've hit, they've hit 12 posts in this six game tournament so far. They've hit 12 posts. It's crazy. It is crazy, but I, I, I really don't want that to become kind of a loser's lament, you know, bad puck luck. No, um, no. I, and I, I'm, you know, look, we both, you said it yesterday when you joined us uh, with Chris Pleck uh, on the uh, morning show on ESPN 1000 that, you know, Vegas obviously is the deeper team, the better team. They have the better goaltender right now. And, and look, Crow played great in stretches uh, beyond the soft goals he's let in, and he knows that he'd like to have those back. He also kept them, you know, uh, viable there late in the game to, to even get to overtime. He was get, getting uh, assaulted there for a while. So, but when you look at this team, and, and Jeremy Colleton used that character word more than a couple times after game two, you know, today today is all about, well, it's more about character. It's, it's about imposing your will on this team, if that's possible. I'm not even sure it's possible, but I like the jump in their step uh, through stretches of game two. They looked like they were flying around. Uh, they were still getting out hit. What was it, 35 to 
15 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, th- this team is kind of sneaky physical. They're just a big, heavy team, and it, it, it wears guys down for sure. But, um, you know, Patrick Kane looked like he was – his Kirby Dockside had that fire in his eye, and, and he didn't have that in game one. So, you know, if they come out with some energy – and it's so important, I think, to, to really get a lead, to, to at least get a one-goal lead, if not better two, and, and see what you can do from there. Because when you're – what's it, 127 minutes and change where you've been playing from a deficit yeah. against a team like this, I mean, the energy it takes to, to claw back into a you know, game down two – Two goals. I mean, it's amazing that, you know, they had to be on fumes at the end. And we know all the statistics about how great Vegas is in, in, in third periods. I mean, out, outscoring an opponent's 10 to 1. So that's their time. No, no question about it. So game three is tonight at 7 o'clock. Game four is tomorrow evening. And uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at ESPN Hockey Show. Our Twitter poll is up and running. After this weekend, the Blackhawks will A, be swept. B, win one of two games. C, even the series up. Again, that's the ESPN Hockey Show Twitter poll question. You can follow Brian at BrianHanley534. You can reach us at 312-332-3776. So the good news is they do have the last change tonight and tomorrow night, and they excelled when they had that in games three and four versus the Oilers in the qualifying round. Here's Jeremy Carlton on coming up with their best effort tonight in Game 3. It's a chance to show our character. They're, as you said, they're an excellent team. Um, their first first seed for a reason. So uh, it's a big challenge for our guys, but I think we've, we've responded. They've played hard. We've done a lot of good things. We've been right with them both games. Um, we just got to gotta keep improving. As you said, we have a lot of young guys. You got to think that we're going to get better here as, as the series goes on. Um, we had a back-to-back coming up, and we got to take the day tomorrow to regroup, and then come with uh, our best effort of the series and went, find a way to win a hockey game. Brian, it was tremendous to see the three goals they scored in the second period, and you talked about Kane coming to play, assisted on all three of those goals, including that highlight reel goal. Oh where, boy! I mean that, goal. Uh, yeah. that backhand pass to, to Dylan Strom with only 14 seconds to go, but. There were three or four times in game two that the Hawks' defense, the pairing that was on the ice, were were put in that spin cycle where they're out there for an extended shift. They're not able to get off the ice. And you watch Vegas, they pounce on those opportunities. They start working the cycle, winning the foot races, the board battles, and getting quality chances. And you saw in that game-winning goal this issue pop up again. And it's, it's something that's plagued this team for the last few years. You had Lucas Carlson and Connor Murphy out there, uh, each covering a man on the right side of the ice, which uh, in this man-on-man system that Carlton is, is implemented, that that's fine. But Jonathan Taves then needs to have the responsibility of picking up the paint, the player that is in front of the net, which in this case was Riley Smith. He didn't do that. And Riley Smith is wide open and the game is over. The, the margin for error on this team, Brian, is very small. But the issue of defensive breakdowns and the fact that they've given up the most high-danger chances now the last couple of years has to be fixed. Otherwise, we're just fooling ourselves watching this team. You could talk about offense and great goaltending and all this stuff. If you do not fix this team defensively, it's they're, they're not going to be a championship-caliber team once again. 
Yeah, no doubt about it, Pat. And and that includes the forwards. And, you know, as much as Jeremy Colleton talked about, I think it was after game one, talking about it's okay to basically have an empty shift, meaning, you know, nothing happened. You didn't score. But you can do good things like you, right. you're talking about. Uh, the Alex Took, Nicholas Roy, Nick Cousins line did that exactly, set up that game-winning goal. They they kept the puck in, in their end, in the, in the Hawks' end, and they just grind, grind, grind. And here comes Riley Smith over the board's fresh legs, and as you said, you know, the Hawks are still out there. They can't get the change. So it, it just makes it that much easier for them to, to score a goal. And I think that's what Jeremy Carlton's talking about. If you just, you know, quote, unquote, do the little things, cliches that sounds, you can have those kind of empty possessions that really, in a bigger picture, you know, add to, to hopefully a win. But, um, you know, they, they have been outmanned. I'm not so sure that... You know, the Hawks, I, I don't know what the ideal Hawks defensive pairings are right now. I, I assume Boquist is going to be back in the lineup today. I, w- I, mean, I would think he'll be back. And I think yeah. Carlson was, was on the ice for two goals. Um, yeah, he I, was 10 I, minutes in two goals, right? Right, I mean, right. So I would think Boquist is back. But I don't know if you're going to see Keith and Boquist together again. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they, they want uh, Adam out there getting the minutes that Duncan is going to get. So we'll, we'll see yeah. on that. Um, other lineup changes, I would assume the forwards will remain the same. This is something you talked about is finishing strong. I mean, Vegas outshot the Hawks 16 to 6 in the third period and 7 to 1 in overtime. They've outscored opponents now, the Vegas Golden Knights, 11 to 1 in the third period in overtime this postseason. That is, I mean, you talk about domination. Chips are down and, and it's money yeah. time. I mean, that is coming to play. And th- that's been, you know, that, that certainly has been a problem for this team is finishing strong here in the third period. And Jeremy Colleton spoke to that, playing a full 60 minutes tonight in game three. They're a big team and they they advance the puck. Uh, they find a way to move it ahead and, and uh, drive it into the offensive zone, whether they're skating it or, or chipping it in. They got a really good forecheck. And uh, they're a big team. They protect the puck well in the offensive zone. And uh, they try to play sort of the, the territorial game. Uh, it's, a, it's a challenge for us. But I, I thought uh, you know, first two periods, um, actually first two periods, both games, game one and two, we, we, we did a really good job. And uh, we've got to find a way to do it for, for uh, three. They are a deep team, Vegas. They are fast. They are physical. Uh, they even were without their leading scorer, Max Pacioretty, yeah. in Game 2. He didn't play, and they didn't miss a beat. And the guy that they benched in Game 1, who took Pacioretty's place, Thomas Noshek, he ends up scoring a goal. I mean, th- th- that's how deep this this Golden Knights team is, Brian. And, and the Hawks are not that. And it's interesting. I, was, I wanted your take on this. You know, you, you're on Drake Kajula, and, and to hear, you know, he's he's Mr. Intangible. He does the dirty work. He... You know, he was talking about just getting parking himself in front of the net. And that all sounds well and good. But can you afford 15 minutes of ice time with him when you look at the advanced stats? And, I mean, when he's on the ice, bad things are happening. And I, he's really not being that physical kind of instigator type player. Or, uh, you look at 54 minutes, no goals, no assists. They've been out attempted 68-38, out chance 35-21. He has the worst Corsi rating on the team. Um, you know, I, I, I know the player he, he thinks he is or can be. I don't know that I've seen it in this series. 
I think at the end of the day, Drake Kajula is a bottom six forward, and he is playing at times top six minutes. And, and we have a lot of, because of the lack yeah. of depth on this team, we have forwards playing out of their position, a, a line or two above where they should be. And so he was out there with uh, with, with Kane and Doc to start. And I thought he did an okay job retrieving pucks for them. That's what those guys need. Uh, but in an ideal situation, Drake Kajula is not a, a second line left winger. He's just he's just not. Um, but he does bring a little edge to his game, some bite to his game that a lot of players on this Blackhawks team don't have. How about Alex Dabrinkit? I mean, I I, I hate to uh, to call him out, but you know what is going on with Alex Dabrinkit? We've been saying that all season long. He only had 18 goals this year. He got that big contract last offseason, which is going to kick in next year at $6.4 million. And, look, he earned it. He had 41 goals uh, over a season ago. He had 76 points in those 82 games. His rookie year, he had 28 goals. But this year, he had 18. And he was on pace if they had played 82 for a 20-goal season. His shooting percentage was 87 that is a far cry from the year he scored 41 goals two years ago when his shot percentage was 18.6. And as of now, he has yet to score in this playoff. What have you seen from Alex Dabrinkit, or better yet, what, what, what haven't you seen from him, Brian? Yeah, I'd love to hear Hawks fans uh, 312-332-3776, but the only time I really noticed him was when he started that, that they, you know, the pass to Kane and Kane – they had you know the two great assists on that one goal, and yeah. that's uh, you know that's the only time I really noticed him at all. So you're right; you got to get a lot more out of him. I mean, look, scoring chances are few and far between so far in the series, and I don't know that that's going to change necessarily today. So they they need their best players to to really be their best players, and he's certainly in that category, even though he hasn't played that way. What do you think? Can the Hawks win game three tonight? Give us a call, 312-332-3776. The Hockey Show is brought to you by the book at the Horseshoe Hammond. It is also presented by Coors Light. Be prepared for the playoffs by making a beer run from your couch. Find out how to get.coorslight.com. Find out how at get.coorslight.com. Coors Light, mountain cold refreshment made to chill. We're back on the Hockey Show after this. This is ESPN 1000, The Hockey Show. Stream ESPN 1000 easily on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. And the Hawks finally get possession and get it out. Nice get back in there. Cousins. Now it's Henry Van Tiff, they score! Vegas wins the game, a redirect from Riley Smith. He scored twice in game one. He gets the GWG in game two. And that line, Marchiso, Stastny, and Riley Smith have owned the Hawks so far in this series. Paul Stastny's been on the ice for six of Vegas's eight goals so far. That was the Hall of Famer Pat Foley on the call, NBC Sports Chicago. He had game two. Tonight's game is going to be on NBC5. That is a 7 o'clock puck drop. We'll have pregame on NBC Sports Chicago at 6.30. So Doc Emmerich and Eddie will have the call along with Pierre Maguire. And then the game four 
We'll be back on NBC Sports Chicago tomorrow evening. With Brian Hanley, I'm Pat Boyle. It is the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Our ESPN Hockey Show Twitter poll is up and running. After this weekend, the Blackhawks will be swept, win one of two games, or even up the series. Uh, Check that out right now on Twitter. And right now, being swept is leading in the clubhouse at 41%. Winning one of two games checks in at 38%. And only 21% think they will even up this series. Where would you vote, Brian? Uh, I already did vote, and uh, I voted uh, win one of two games. But if it's not today, I don't like their chance yes. tomorrow. And, and, and a couple of things on that. If they do lose today, talking about character of the team, and, and maybe with guys like Taves and Kane on, on the team and in the room, this won't happen. But, I mean, you've been in Edmonton for two weeks uh, as of tomorrow, right? Um, That'd be uh, three weeks. Three weeks, yeah. yeah. So that's like a lifetime if you've ever been to Edmonton. <laughs> so if if you're down 03 and you have a chance to get on a flight tomorrow night and get back home and you know call it a call it a season, you, maybe consciously you're not you're not thinking about that, but subconsciously you might have your bags packed and ready to go. And you know I think you're seeing that in the NBA bubble too. I mean, you just wonder what motivation is. For guys when they're thinking, okay, well, we know what's going to happen, so you know, why would we prolong this thing? But they not only have to win today. I was going to ask you, if, if you're the Vegas Knights, who are you starting to go on the first of back-to-back? So you just keep going with the hot hand, and Robin Leonard hasn't lost a game since he's yeah, been with the Knights. I, I yeah. think you ride him. I, I mean, to, if for some reason he gives up uh, four goals and you win 5-4, then I would consider – Starting Mark Andre Fleury tomorrow, uh, but if you know he keeps shutting the door down, only allows right. one goal or whatever, and they win, you know, if you let him ride it out. If you do sweep the Hawks, he's going to get a little bit of a break anyway, right? That's so, true. That's true. Yeah. So right. you know, young guy can go back to back. Let's go to the phone lines three one two three three two three seven seven six. Matt from Rockford joins us. Good morning, Matt. How you doing? Good. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing all right. What are your thoughts on this Blackhawks team? I mean, after watching the game Thursday night, they had every opportunity to kind of end it in that overtime. They missed about – they had the first three shots, missed them, hit the bar. I, I really think if they get that offense going and they score early like they did um, against uh, Edmonton, then they could really I'm – the, I'm in the 21% that thinks they're going to win two games this weekend. All right. Look, all right, Matt. Like, the like op- your optimism. Yeah. He, he's seen this team do it before. Thanks for joining us, Matt. The, the only problem is I don't know if if this is the same team that Matt has watched in, say, 2010 and 2011 and 2012 and, and 14 and 15 and 13 where they've managed to come back from these series deficits and, and stacked victories. I do think their mentality in this bubble is different than a lot of teams. You look at St. Louis. To me, that's like a perfect example of they went to Edmonton like like you were talking like like it was a, like it was a prison sentence. Like they do not <laughs> they do not want to be there. They have not won a hockey game yet. They won the Stanley Cup last year, and it's almost like they told their wives and girlfriends, "Hey, we'll be back in a couple of weeks." Uh, you know, keep the plans in. Uh, in late August for the uh, the cottage, go to cottage, yeah, go, go to, to cottage, cottage in, yeah. in Ontario, and uh, we'll be we'll be grilling and playing golf at the end of August, and don't worry about it. Where a team, a team like Vegas, I think they went to the bubble with 
a, a mindset that they have unfinished business. This team in their first year goes on that magical run and gets all the way to the Stanley Cup final, loses to the Washington Capitals last season in their second year of existence. They have a 3-1 series lead against San Jose. They end up losing a few, I believe, overtime games and end up losing that series in seven games. I think the way they played before the pause, how they have gone about their business in the round robin and so far against the Blackhawks, to me, you know, I I was afraid to to face Colorado, but I I think this Vegas team is a juggernaut. Well, not only that, Pat, and to, to that point, they, I read they stuck around. Everyone stuck around Vegas, and That's they were work, working out informally, right? Where the Hawks had no idea if they were going to get in. They probably thought they weren't getting in, but you know the number one seed team thought, okay, if in fact they're going to restart this thing at some point, we got to be ready. And so they all stuck around and and you know had that team unity and kept going and you know whatever that looked like in terms of actual work getting done on the ice or in, in the weight room, they did it. And maybe that's you know paying off for a very talented team to begin with. Well, and, and they think so. They think that the fact that everybody stayed in Vegas and they had a huge uh, turnout in Phase 2, they're saying they're attributing to the, their success in the late thir- in the third period in overtime to what they had because they were together during the pause and put so much into that. And that would speak to that 11-1 that to Mm-hmm. Goal differential that they have so far late in games. I'm wondering if some people out there think the Hawks to to steal the Denny Green uh, phrase <laughs> from back in the day are who we thought they, thought, they were before yeah. the pause. You know, defensive issues, limited offense, uh, no depth scoring, iffy power, power play, iffy power play. Nice, yeah. Yes, and that and the series win over the Oilers that was fine. You know, but it was kind of like pandemic playoff you know feel good whatever but really it it didn't mean much in the big picture uh, because this team isn't close to being championship caliber again we're going to find out over these next two nights just the fight and the character of this team but I think if we're being honest with ourselves we see there is a, a a a fairly large gap between the Vegas Golden Knights and the talent level of the Blackhawks right I don't want to step on the odds couple's toes, but I just looked at Yahoo, right? And and today's game, Vegas is a healthy minus 200 to win straight up, right? But then when when you see what the people believe is going to be the, you know, is actually going to transpire, Vegas with like 1,100 or 1,200 people weighing in, 55% had the Vegas Knights as the winning team today. So the odds makers say it's not going to be much of a contest but the Blackhawks hope or Blackhawks nation out there give them almost a 50-50 chance to pull it off today. Our Twitter poll question, ESPN Hockey Show, after this weekend, the Blackhawks will be swept, win one of two, or even the series up. Check that out. Coming up next, Steve Conroy joins us. What is going on with the defensive breakdowns that have been plaguing this team for the last couple of years? We'll ask number five. Coming up next on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Now, by your side, through your smart speaker. Just tell it to play ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. (laughs) 
We're back on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Brian Hanley. I'm Pat Boyle. Breaking news out of the NHL. The Boston Bruins have announced that their goalie, Tuka Rask, has opted out. He has left the bubble in Toronto. A statement from Tuka Rask saying, I want to be with my teammates competing, but at this moment, there are things more important than hockey in my life, and that is being with my family. I want to thank the Bruins and my teammates for their support and wish them success Right now, the Bruins are tied up with the Carolina Hurricanes in their best of seven at a game apiece. Interesting timing, though, right, to, to do it uh, in the middle of a series, Brian. And, and it comes right after comments the other day after game two where this doesn't feel like playoff hockey. He right. said it feels like an exhibition game. And, you know, what, what are we do? Like, what's the point? And, again, if something's going on at home, that's an entirely different situation. But if it's just... It feels like an exhibition. I, you know, I'm not into it. See you later. If you're a teammate, how do you feel about that when the series is even and you're just getting started here? And the great tradition of an original six team, and you've been a stalwart there. I mean, how do they look at him if you know if and when he comes back? Well, let's get Steve Conroy's opinion on that. Uh, he's my teammate on NBC Sports Chicago. You can see him tonight at 6.30 for the pregame show and the postgame show with Jamal Mayers. And he joins us now on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Good morning, Steve. How are you? Pat, Brian, I am good. How are you guys? Doing all right. So this uh, interesting breaking story about Tuka Rask op- opting out. Um, let's say that it's not because of some th- dire situation with a family member. It's just that. He wants to to not be in Toronto and wants to be with his family. How do you think that goes over with the rest of his his teammates? I mean, doing it, you know, mid-series. Well, there's a couple of different ways to look at it. And, you know, if I'm a player and I know a guy's heart isn't in it and maybe his mind is somewhere else, and as Brian mentioned, we don't know exactly what the reason is. And And it could be something dire happening at home, although that doesn't sound like the case. But... If I'm his teammate and I know that he's not in it, I, I don't want him there. I, you know, I, I think that you're not helping the team; you're hurting the team. I, I want somebody who's fully invested and is all in, and and uh, you know, he's all about winning the Stanley Cup. But that being said, you know, he's got term left on his contract, I'm sure, and you know, it doesn't it doesn't look good for the remaining years on his contract because here's a teammate who was bailed. Uh, on his team. And I I think he's going to have a tough time returning next year, you know, um, especially if they get knocked out of the playoffs. Now, heading into these playoffs, Boston, I think, would have been one of the top three or four favorites to win the Stanley Cup. And, of course, he's their number one goalie. Now, I I don't have a lineup sheet in front of me, but I think it's Yaroslav Vlach who's their uh, their backup. That is correct. Yeah, so, I mean, he's, you know, he's a good goalie, but he's not a Tuka Rask. And, uh like I said, I I think as a player, if if I know my goalie's not in it and his heart's not in it, I'm fine with him leaving. But I think he's going to have a tough time coming back next year. Well, I'm sure Bruins fans, no, no matter what the teammates think, and I'm with you, Steve, I, I think it's going to be very difficult to go back in that room when you're making six, seven million dollars a year after yeah. you just quit on them. But Bruins fans aren't going to forget this very easily. Um, but, you know, wanted to, to get your thoughts on, on the Blackhawks and and. Pat and I were talking about the defensive pairings, and there's really been no ideal here, and it has to be a whole lot better. But let's start with the young guys. Uh, Bolquist gets a sat the other night. Um, you know, we expect him back in there today. When you look at him, what do you see as a ceiling, and what do you see 
that's not going on right now that he became a healthy scratch the other night? Well, he's got to be, Brian, he's got to be better defensively. And uh, I, I don't, I think he was on the the ice for a couple of goals against in his in that game one against the uh, against the Vegas Golden Knights, um, and and I think that's probably the, the biggest knock on him is he's not strong in his own zone defensively. And you know, keep in mind he, he's just 19 years of age. I think he turns 20 actually here pretty soon, um, but he's 19, so he's he's probably still going to grow. We know he's going to get stronger. But you can't wait for that in the playoffs. You're in the playoffs now. So um, the upside, the ceiling is, I mean, he's, he's just a highly talented offensive threat, but we haven't seen it yet. And, and that's kind of what concerns me because, you know, if you're, a, if you're a Brent Burns or, you know, even the other Carlson who plays in, uh, in San Jose, um, you know, you can, you can make up for your defensive deficiencies by adding goals, by you know keeping the puck in the other end, by being being an offensive threat, and that has not happened with him. And you know, Pat and I were both down at uh, Fifth Third Arena for the training camp 2.0, and he really stuck out. He he was very noticeable playing with Duncan Keith, getting involved in the play, um, you know, keeping the, keeping the play in the offensive zone, creating chances, and you know, as they say in sports, sometimes offense is your best defense, and. And that's what they were hoping from from him, but it, it didn't happen really against Edmonton. Uh, he did not look very good against Vegas in that first game. So now he's had a chance to sit and uh, you know take a look, and I'm sure he's been watching tape of, of the way he's played in the previous games. But he also got to sit and watch from up top, and sometimes you get a different perspective like that. It uh, it really helps your game. Um, you realize that maybe you've got a little more time than you think. So. Uh, I hope that's the situation. I, I think he'll probably be back in there tonight. And I feel bad for uh, for uh, Lucas uh, Carlson because, you know, he didn't play a bad game, but at the end of the night he's dash two. You know, he's a minus two, and, and that certainly doesn't look good. And he, he only played about ten minutes. So I would suspect he comes out and Boquist probably goes back in. So for him to be effective, Brian, here's the short answer. He's got to be better offensively, and I think that will help him defensively too. Steve Conroy joins us on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. You bring up Lucas Carlson. He was out there with Connor Murphy for the game-winning goal. Uh, we broke that down on the, on the post-game show. Uh, it, it's been an issue with this team now the last couple of years. Breakdowns in the D zone leading to high-danger chances for the opposition. Uh, this past season before the pause, the Hawks gave up the most high-danger chances. They did not allow the most high-danger goals, and that's because they had really good goaltending. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it's been an issue the last few years. So far in this playoff, they've allowed a playoff-worst 14.5 high-danger chances in six games. Three of the four Golden Knights goals in Game 2 were from the high-danger area. Um, How do they fix this? What, what, What is the... Is it, I, I, and I think you're going to say a combo, but it, it, system problem more, or is it is it more a personnel problem? Well, you know, I, I think it's all of the above. Uh, you know, when you look at the Blackhawks, they're they're not, you know, whether, whether it's you know Patrick Kane or or you know Kubalik or or uh, you know, um, oh gosh, uh, DeBrinket, Alex DeBrinket, these guys aren't real strong in their own zone. Uh, and you, you give them free reign offensively because that's where they do their damage. So, you know, and even on the back end, you know, we talked about Boquist and maybe some of his def- defensive shortcomings. Um, 
but we're we're not we're not a shutdown team when it comes to you know clamping things down in your own zone. All you have to do is watch the Columbus Blue Jackets play, and they've got some great defensemen back there too. Whether it's such Seth Jones or Zach Warinsky, but they can shut it down as well as anyone. The Blackhawks aren't really built that way. So now you got to come up with a system that will enable you to do that. And you know, I, I and I saw your text to me, Pat, about you know, the Blackhawks, and it looked like Murphy and Carlson had their guys, and you're right. And, and if it's man-to-man, and I, and I still really don't know the system, but if it's man-to-man, that's Jonathan Taves' guy in front of the net. Right. That, you know, that's all on Johnny. And, and I'll go back further, and maybe we'll even show this in the pregame show, but uh, I'll go back further. Johnny had the puck all by himself when he dumped it out of his own zone when he knew the defensemen were tired. He had room to skate it. All he had to do was skate it out, you know, maybe get to the red line. And sure, somebody's going to come to him, but you can still bank it off the boards or, or maybe try and find somebody else who's gotten open. But he literally threw it from his goal line to the neutral ice area, got picked off by Vegas, and all of a sudden they're back in their own zone. So, you know, you know, I, I blame Johnny for that. And, and then in front of the net, he lost his guy. But on most of the teams I've played with, if a guy's in the corner with the puck and there's two defensemen there and there's and there's two two of the opposition, it's like, they're not going to score from there. I'd rather, and most coaches would rather have a defenseman in front than a centerman or a forward. Now, the, the, the odd time that's going to happen, and that was the odd time in the overtime, and Johnny's got to have the guy. But uh, a lot of co- coaches I played under what, would say, don't go to the corner. He's not going to score from there. Uh, just get to the front of the net, and eventually they'll come to you. And, you know, so that's, I guess that's where, depending on what the system was, there was a breakdown. You should not have two defensemen within 10 feet of each other in the corner. Um, but it, it's going to happen in a game, and Johnny's got to realize it. So I, I agree with you that that's got to be Johnny's guy in front. So I, I guess the answer is we don't have the personnel to shut it down defensively uh, like a New York Islanders team, uh, like the Columbus Blue Jackets. So we, we've got to change the system a little bit. And, and the system – has to be a bend, don't break, and I think that entails having a defenseman in front of the net at all times. You know, Steve, we were talking about the the Hawks of I think five or six games they've they've failed to score first so far against Edmonton and Vegas, and 127 minutes in the first two games trailing it takes a lot of energy. As a as a player, you know what it takes to, to claw back from one goal or let alone two goals. Um, how important? important is it for them to score first today and, and actually maybe, you know, play with the lead. If you can get two goal lead even better, but maybe dictate your play after that. Well, it's huge, Brian. I mean, it energizes you, right? I mean, you score a goal and especially when it's the first of the game and, and the bench just get energized and, and everyone's feeling better about themselves. And all of a sudden, you know, it's not like, gosh, we just, you know, we played two games in three and a half days. It's like, you know, let's go on and win this. And, the flip side of that is when the other team scores early, it's like, oh no, here they come. You know, they're going to have, they're going to have Mo, they're going to have the momentum, and you know now we've got to score two goals to win this game. It, it's not just we can win at one nothing. It's like not only do we have to, you know, tie it. Now we got to get a goal, go ahead goal too. So, uh, you know, I think psychologically more than anything, that that's where it provides the benefit. It just really, you know, it energizes the bench, it energizes the coaching staff, and 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 it just, you know all of a sudden you just feel a little stronger. So, um, you know, it's funny how against the Edmonton Oilers, and I give them a lot of credit, boy, they, you know, they allowed first goals and first goals early. And I, I think in three of the four games, the first shot that Edmonton had on net was a goal. So, 
That's not all on Corey. I mean, uh, you know, a couple of those goals were wide open looks from right in front, those high danger chances that Pat was just talking about. So, you've, you know, you've, you've got to come into a game and, and your mindset can't be, you know, we got to score the first goal. It's, it's, listen, let's take care of our own end and we've got the talent on this team that we're going to get our looks, we're going to get our chances. And, you know, I just looked at that last game and whether it was Patrick Kane, you know, ringing one off the post, puts it through the legs of, uh, of uh, Leonard and, and hits the post or, you know, just some of the, the, the offense that these guys can create, the posts that we've hit. You know, if some of those go in and we get that early lead, you know, I, I think this t- team takes on a little bit of a different personality. And you only have to look at it's a telling stat. You know, during the regular season, the team that scores first, it's amazing. If you look at when a team scores first, what their record, what, what their record is for the, uh, you know, for, for the season as far as wins and losses. And it's normally heavily skewed in favor of wins. And I don't know. I don't see the Blackhawks right now in front of me, but I know that during the regular season when they scored first, um, you know, 70% of the time, I'd say they went on to win the hockey game. So it, it, it's huge. And I think more than anything, it's just uh, it's a confidence builder and, 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 and it makes you just energized. Well, Steve, we've seen this team be down in series before throughout the last decade. Now, I'm not saying this team that's that's in Edmonton is necessarily one of those teams that went on one of those magical championship runs, but they, they've shown fight and a lot of character. Uh, do you expect a big push from them tonight? I, I think they are going to win tonight. I, I really, I really do. Yeah, I, I, I think you will see, you know, they obviously know, and it's the old cliches back against the wall and, you know, they're a wounded animal. There's nothing there's nothing more ferocious than a wounded tiger. So, you know, they're all of the above. But, um, you know, they've got the experience on this team. And, and I think that a couple things are going to happen. Uh, you know, Corey Crawford played better in game two than he did in game one. I think he's still capable of, of, of you know, not letting in any bad goals. And maybe one of those goals uh, in game two was a bad goal. So, you know, he realized he has to be better. And I think, you know, Patrick Kane, even though he had three, three assists, uh, he wants to score. And, you know, he gets excited about assists. Uh, he goes crazy over goals. So, you know, he scores and, and maybe some of the Alex DeBrinket gets off the schneid. And, you know, and, and, you know, Dylan Strom, I thought, played a lot better last game and he scored. But, you know, you get all your, your offensive, you know, guns firing at the same time. You know, Kubalik who had an unbelievable, you know, game one and game four against Edmonton and still been relatively quiet against Edmonton. You know, he's capable of a little more. So, uh, you know, you get that great goaltending, you get your goal scorers scoring, and, you know, you play team defense where and, – and it's tough against uh, the Vegas Golden Knights because it's not just one or two lines like it was with Edmonton. All four of their lines can score, and, and we've seen their fourth line do some damage. And, you know, when your third line has Alex Tuck, who I think is one of the most underrated guys in the NHL, you got to watch out. So – you know, everyone's got to be uh, aware all the time because they can score at will. And then, you know, your big guns have to be contributing. And, and Corey's got to be just a little bit better. Uh, and, and so far, you know, I didn't think Leonard was real good in game two, and it would have been great to take advantage of him there, but, but we didn't. So uh, Corey's got to steal a game, and our, and our big guns got to be scoring. Good stuff, Steve. We will see you tonight on the pregame, pregame show on NBC Sports Chicago at 6.30. And uh, look forward to seeing the Hawks try to pull one out and make, make this uh, series interesting. Yeah, I think they will too, Pat. Sounds good. Thanks. You too, Brian. Thanks, Steve.
That's Steve Conroy from NBC Sports Chicago, former Blackhawks defenseman, joining us on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Still time for your calls at 312-332-3776. We're back on the Hockey Show after this. You're listening to the Hockey Show. With Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. The Hockey Show presented by Coors Light and by the book at the Horseshoe Hammond. With Brian Hanley, I am Pat Boyle. Our thanks to producer Eric Ostrowski and Steve Conroy for joining us. Coming up next, it's Brian and Fred Hubner. Uh, Brian, I'm hoping one thing, that Freddie had a better week this week than he did in <laughs> Las Vegas. As he told that story last week about going to the timeshare meeting and then getting out of that and slipping on the casino. How about uh, getting getting hit hit and run on the way to hit, the airport? Oh, that's right. I, 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 it was... It was one of the saddest stories I've ever heard. I, yeah. I was just in the fetal position, and I, I just didn't, I didn't want to leave the house. I would have turned around and gone home right after the the accident. After the guy, you know, takes a chunk out of the back of your car, and, and you keep going. Hey, he slips then, on the then, mojito then, in, yeah, in Vegas, in the cosmopolitan, and and you know, <laughs> you're there for four days with a bad hammy, and and. Nothing's open. I mean, yeah. no restaurants are open, and and you're still when you do find a restaurant, and you still got the eighteen ninety nine shrimp cocktail. It's not nothing's been discounted. Other than that, uh, how 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 was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, let's hope the Hawks have uh, better success than uh, against Vegas than uh, our buddy Freddie had in Vegas, right? Well, let's hope. Yeah, well, he can't, he can't, can't have any, a worse week. It can't get any worse, right? Oh, by the way, our ESPN Hockey Show poll question, uh, after this weekend, the Blackhawks will be swept, win one of two, or even the series up. 45% of you went with win one of two games. 38% think they will be swept. Both Brian and I are in the win one of two games, and let's hope it's tonight because here's the deal. If they don't win tonight, I have a feeling the brooms will be out tomorrow night and uh, things could be over quickly. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, the eighteen percent that think they even up the series here's hoping that's the case, but that's a lot of work to do. And went through the checklist of all the things that need to get done today and uh, replicate it tomorrow. But here's hoping. Well, we'll see what happens tonight. Seven o'clock, NBC five, Game three, and then Game four will be tomorrow night at five thirty on NBC Sports Chicago. Go Hawks! Let's make this uh, series interesting against the Vegas Golden Knights. For Brian Hanley, I'm Pat Boyle. Thank you for listening to the Hockey Show. Brian and Freddie Hubner up next on ESPN 1000.